Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this evening. Uh, thank you uh, for your word and uh, for the good news and for our common salvation. I pray that you would instruct us and uh, build us up in your holy word, uh, that we would have uh, confidence in you and in uh, your son, uh, your fullest revelation, uh, the word uh, made flesh, incarnate. And we thank you for him and uh, for all of our fellow believers. Pray that you'd bless them and build up our local body and uh, give us the, the desire uh, and the, the will to uh, love and serve one another and to use uh, each of the individual gifts that you have given us for uh, building up uh, your body. And so we thank you for all these things and pray in your son's name. Amen. Well, let's go to uh, Numbers. And last time we were continuing our study of looking especially at some of just the, the explicit uh, evidence and testimony in Scripture uh, to Moses' role in uh, as teacher, as mediator, as author uh, of uh, the, the Torah. And we've already looked through, uh, just going through their 40 years, uh, with the whole uh, first year uh, coming out of the exodus at Egypt. Uh, and some of the explicit things we saw, uh, the curse against uh, Amalek uh, and uh, Agag, their, their leader, I will uh, utterly... Uh, blot out the, the name of Amalek from under heaven and uh, the Ten Commandments on the two tablets of stone, uh, the Book of the Covenant, uh, Exodus 21 through uh, 23, uh, as they ratify the covenant at Mount Sinai. Uh, there is also the, uh, the records of the tabernacle uh, that Moses instructed for the Levites under Ithamar to write down. And so he had scribes working with him uh, on all of these things because it's a whole lot to record as far as uh, over 600,000 men, not counting women and children, bringing uh, gold and silver and linen uh, to contribute to the tabernacle. You know, Moses uh, couldn't just do, do all that alone. So he had help with uh, Ithamar, his assistant Joshua, the Levites. Uh, and then going through their first year, Leviticus didn't explicitly say that Moses wrote down, but again and again, uh, we'll see that uh, in God told Moses uh, to tell the Israelites and to command them, saying uh, over and over again. And God spoke to Moses, saying, tell the, the sons of Israel. And oftentimes you see that accompanied with writing uh, because uh, they wanted to uh, remember these things. Uh, and they had important instructions for the nation uh, for management of the tabernacle and as they went into the land uh, for worship of God, uh, for uh, how to uh, live lives uh, consistently with his word and with his instruction and teaching uh, in the, the covenant. And then uh, last week, uh, we finished up with their first year uh, where going into numbers, uh, there are two censuses, uh, one with the first generation that will rebel, not enter into the land, 
and will spend 40 years in the wilderness uh, and die out. All the males over uh, 20 years of age at the time. And so they had a first uh, census uh, and also other instructions for the, uh, the priestly divisions in serving the tabernacle and uh, for the Kohathites and uh, Gershom and uh, Merari, uh, the Levitical clans. And so this was their first year. And then we started to see how in, oh, right around Numbers 21, 22, uh, where we saw, we saw the, the quote from the Book of the Wars of Yahweh. And maybe we'll just uh, glance at that really quickly. We won't cover it again. But Numbers, let's see, 22. Or I think 21. And uh, verse 13. Uh, from there, they, and so this is now at the end of the 40 years where they're getting ready to uh, enter uh, the land. And so they're uh, coming up uh, east around uh, the Dead Sea, going north uh, beyond. Uh, Edom, beyond Moab, the Ammonites, uh, Edom, they were the descendants of Esau. Uh, Moab and Ammon were the descendants of Lot. And so uh, they're going up around the Dead Sea to the east of the Jordan to prepare to, to enter in. And so verse 13, uh, from there they set out and camped on the other side of the Arnon, which is in the wilderness that extends from the border of the Amorites. For the Arnon is the border of Moab uh, between Moab and the Ammonites. Uh, therefore, it is said in the book of the wars of Yahweh, uh, Wahev in Sufa and the valleys of the Arnon and the slope of the valleys that extends to the seat of Ar and leans to the border of Moab. And this is all geographical information it, it draws from. Therefore, it said, in the literally scroll of the wars of Yahweh. And so they draw from this scroll where they would record information about Yahweh's victories and battles uh, along the way, uh, probably including things like with, well, Pharaoh uh, destroying them in the sea. Uh, you see a poem in Exodus 15 uh, as they come out and they talk about how the, the horse and the rider was cast into the sea. Uh, and that Yahweh had, he had done uh, marvelously and such. And so speaking about bringing them out of the Exodus and bringing all the plagues, uh, the judgments, uh, and then drowning uh, his horses, chariots, and soldiers uh, in the, the sea, uh, they have this poetry so that the people would remember and, and for uh, worshiping God and, and praising uh, him for all that he had done for them. And so here we saw reference uh, to the, the scroll of the wars of Yahweh. And there's elsewhere, like uh, Deborah and Barak later, uh, there's another poem in uh, Judges, I think chapter 5, uh, where again it records like victories and such. And uh, we looked at the kind of obscure book of uh, Jasher or uh, 
Yashar, or Yashar, uh, the Book of the Upright. A lot of times they don't, they don't translate it, but uh, probably like the, the Book of the, or Scroll of the Upright, uh, which we found in Judges chapter uh, 10 with uh, the sun standing still uh, during the, their battles, uh, the, the miracle that Yahweh had performed uh, for Joshua and the Israelites, and then in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1 with David, uh, and there again, you had poetry uh, about uh, the, the defeat that had come upon Saul, Jonathan, and uh, the Israelites uh, from the, the Philistines. And so those are the two references to the, the scroll of the upright. And so sometimes you find uh, even these different sources, which they're no longer extant. Uh, they no longer exist independently uh, anymore. Just what's been recorded and preserved uh, in, in scripture. Uh, and so uh, these were things that they were writing along their uh, their way, but then become a part of the, the Torah as you come to the end of the 40 years and then uh, going into the conquest and such. And we'll see more of that as we uh, get into to Deuteronomy. And so now I'd just like to look at a glance at a couple more things in uh, numbers. And so we're at the end of the, uh, the 40 years uh, as they're getting ready to uh, enter into the, the land and going by uh, Edom and Moab and the Ammonites. And go to uh, Numbers 26. And we won't spend much time here, but there's a second census that's uh, taken and uh, Moses uh, he had uh, under uh, the instruction of Yahweh uh, he had uh, Aaron his brother and his prophet uh, Aaron spoke on behalf of Moses and uh, Moses spoke on behalf of uh, God uh, but they also appointed uh, 12 of the uh, the elders from the uh, tribes and the leaders uh, and they also used the Levites and such uh, uh, to help uh, as scribes and such uh, with the first census. And now coming to the end of the 40 years, now you have a new generation as the previous one has been uh, wiped out. Uh, now you, Aaron has died, Miriam has died, uh, the whole, whole first generation, uh, especially the men over 20, and they take another uh, census. So uh, verse one, chapter 26, after the plague, Yahweh said to Moses and to Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest. So Eliezer's taken the place now of uh, Aaron, his father. Now Eliezer is the high priest. Uh, and Phinehas will be high priest after, after him. And so after uh, the plague, Yahweh said to Moses and to Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel from 20 years old and upward by their fathers' houses, all in Israel who are able to go to war. And Moses and Eliezer the priest spoke with, him, with them in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Take a census of the people from 20 years old and upward, as Yahweh commanded Moses. 
of the people of Israel who came out of the land of Egypt were uh, Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, uh, the sons of Reuben, uh, of Hanok, and goes on. So they, they take their census. We're not going to read through all that tonight. Uh, Lord willing, in, in the future. Uh, but, uh, and so they, they have this uh, census. Let's just uh, go to the end of that uh, chapter. They also uh, look at some of the, the Levites uh, toward, uh, toward the end of it. Let's see. Uh, go down to verse 63. Uh, these were those listed by Moses and, or recorded by Moses and Eliezer, the priest, who listed the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these, there was not one of those listed by Moses and Aaron, the priest who had listed the people of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For Yahweh had said of them, they shall die in the wilderness. Not one of them was left except Caleb, the son of Yephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And of course, now you, you have kind of a closure to this whole section, these two generations, uh, the one that rebelled and refused to enter into the land uh, that was unbelieving, that rejected God's word uh, and did not believe that he would actually uh, give them the land uh, and defeat their enemies, uh, but they refused to enter in, except after God said, all right, you're going to wander in the wilderness. Then they tried to go in on, on their own without, without God. Uh, and so here you have this ending. But again, we see in verse 63, uh, these were those listed by Moses and Eliezer, the priest, who listed the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. And part of what we've been seeing along the way, just even looking at some of the explicit sections where it says that Moses wrote down, uh, even though, uh, again and again, you have uh, all of these other sections where it says, and God spoke by Moses, and God uh, commanded, you know, through Moses, saying, and those things were obviously written down as well. But in some of these instances, we see that uh, Moses would even use uh, Eliezer and such and uh, the chiefs of the tribes uh, to help with the census uh, and to record some of these things. And so he even had some uh, scribal help uh, along the way because you get a big hand cramp, uh, you know, taking a census <laughs> of uh, all of those uh, men and uh, women and children and, and such uh, along, along the way. <laughs> and Moses, he, he tried to judge the people on his own uh, back in, uh, was it Exodus uh, 18, 19, uh, and uh, his, Jethro, his uh, father-in-law, said, what you're doing is not good. <laughs> appoint, you know, appoint uh, wise and godly men who, you know, who fear God and uh, to judge in the, the small cases. And then uh, you judge in the big cases, going to God, standing before, uh, before God, uh, which uh, God himself uh, later advises Moses and uh, gives uh, uh, support for him. And he says, 
uh, God be with you, you know, if God, if God is with him uh, in that. And so uh, Moses uh, at times even had uh, scribal help and such. And some of that you even see, like we were talking about with Paul, uh, with Peter, uh, sometimes they'd use like an amanuensis or kind of a secretary or a scribe. Uh, Peter uh, talks about, well, Silas or Sylvanus, uh, who uh, had uh, penned the letter at Peter's uh, dictation, uh, who is also a fellow of uh, Paul. And we saw that at the end of uh, Romans as well. I, I forget, forget the fellow's name again uh, at the end of Romans, but... What's an amanuensis? Uh, basically like a secretary or scribe, uh, someone who would, uh, was kind of a professional writer. And so uh, they might dictate to them uh, and they would uh, write down. And so sometimes you see that like uh, Paul, uh, Peter, uh, you also see that uh, with uh, Jeremiah. Uh, he has uh, Baruch uh, who uh, writes down uh, at uh, Jeremiah's instruction and commandment. And so through and through you have Moses teaching and whether he speaks, whether he commands, uh, whether he writes or has someone else write down his instruction, uh, it's Mosaic instruction and teaching uh, from, uh, from Yahweh. Tertius. Yeah, Tertius, yeah. And he even gives, he, he pens his own greeting, doesn't he? Maybe you could you could just read yeah, read that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the last chapter here it says at twenty two, uh, I Tertius who wrote this letter greet you in the Lord. Yeah, I Tertius who uh, wrote this letter greet you in, in the Lord, and you know, of course he didn't do it himself, but at Paul's uh, Paul's dictation and, and instruction and such, as Paul wrote from uh, probably wrote it from Corinth uh, over. Uh, it maybe had been writing and composing before then even, but uh, he spent a month and a half at uh, Corinth and was finishing up some of his uh, uh, plans to go back to, uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, God had to put him in jail so he could get some writing done. Yeah, well, that, that gave Luke time to, <laughs> to write down. You have a wee section before that, and then there's two years, and then the wee section picks back up uh, between uh, 50... 57, then 58 to uh, about 60, they uh, head to Rome, and he uh, arrives at uh, Rome, and Luke's there as well, and he has more time to write, and in one of, uh, it's either in, I think in Timothy, could be in Titus, Paul actually quotes, draws word for word uh, a line from Luke's uh, gospel uh, that's uh, found in the, the gospel of Luke, so... And now, so uh, we've seen, just coming to the end of the 40 years, uh, the scroll of the wars of Yahweh, and we saw some other uh, poetry and such, uh, even quoting and drawing from some of the things that uh, the Amorites, and like uh, uh, you have like Og of Bashan uh, boasting, on, well, there's Og uh, in, in Hebrew, uh, Og of Bashan, and who's the, the other one uh, that they defeat of the, the Amorites? Uh, Sihon. Uh, 
And so they're drawing from like Sihon and such and some of the things they'd boast about, about uh, bringing judgment upon the, the Moabites. Uh, and so we saw some of that as, as well. And they, they even draw on uh, like Balaam and such uh, as he tried to curse them. Uh, and you have writing and the, the blessings that come from uh, Balaam uh, by God. And, and whether, <laughs> you know, uh, whether God just told them uh, or uh, however they, they wrote those, those things down. And now go to Numbers 33. And now here you have kind of a summary of their travelogue. It's very interesting. As Moses wrote these things down under the, the command and instruction of Yahweh, this whole chapter becomes the frame uh, around their travels from well, around Exodus 12, and I suppose they were in uh, Ramses uh, even before then in Egypt, uh, up to the end of their travels in, uh, in Numbers. Uh, the, this whole section uh, drawn out uh, in, in detail, and a lot of it even used uh, word for word as part of the bigger narrative structure. And sometimes you get kind of mini narratives and such in some of like the genealogies uh, and in this sort of uh, breakdown of kind of a travelogue along their way, recording uh, their journeys uh, from place, uh, destination to destination to destination uh, along the way, uh, all their encampments. Uh, and also like with the genealogies and uh, Genesis and such, a lot of times you get short little narratives and uh, summary statements about what happened in those days but then they're fleshed out uh, in the, the rest of, well, uh, Exodus through uh, Numbers and, uh, and throughout Genesis and, and such. And some of those things may have gone back as they're working them, working them out and, uh, and just even writing uh, longer, more detailed narratives, kind of elaborating uh, on all of these things as they went about. So. We'll just get a little taste for this. Uh, so chapter 33, verse 1. Uh, these are the stages of the people of Israel when they went out of the land of Egypt by their companies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by the command of Yahweh. So Moses wrote these things down. Uh, and these are their stages according to their starting places. Uh, they set out from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. Ah, that kind of helps uh, for the, kind of figured that out, but uh, chronology I've been working on, uh, Exodus is actually really detailed, uh, just the timing and such when God brings them to Sinai uh, and just for their year, how all those things uh, play out that they then remember in uh, future generations. And now with this, this first, well, they had the, the first year where they then stayed at Sinai and then they leave. And now they start to have the Passover and they remember uh, as they go to the promised, promised land, uh, having the first Passover coming out of Egypt, but then the first remembrance as they left uh, Sinai. And so uh, they set out from Ramses in the first 
month on the 15th day of the first month uh, on the day after the Passover, the 14th. Uh, the people of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. While the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom Yahweh had struck down among them. On their gods also, Yahweh executed judgments. So the people of Israel set out from Ramses and camped at uh, Sukkot. And they set out from Sukkot and camped at, uh, well, Etam or Etham, uh, which is on the edge of the wilderness. And they set out from Etham and turned back to Pihahirot, uh, which is east of Baal Zephon. And they camped before Migdal. Uh, and they set out. And so it goes on. Uh, and just even here, it picks up a little more at the narrative. And they set out uh, from before Hahirot and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness. And they went a three days journey in the wilderness of Etham and camped at Marah. Uh, bitter. Uh, the place of the, the bitter, bitter waters where they uh, grumble and complain bitterly even though God has just delivered them through the sea. He can't give them water. He just drowned all the horses and chariots in the sea. He can't provide for them. Uh, really. And so it, it's just even kind of echoing back and reminding of these journeys along the way. They, they got the detail. Now you kind of have the, uh, the summary uh, of all of this. And so... Uh, and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness, and they went a three days journey in the wilderness of Etham, encamped at Marah, and they set out from Marah and came to Elim. At Elim, there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there. Nice. Yeah, and they set out from Elim and camped it <laughs> by, by the Red Sea, and they set out from the Red Sea and camped in the wilderness of Sin, and that's where. Uh, that's where the, the manna uh, was first provided for them. And some of these things, if you actually look up the cross-references, uh, a lot of times in your Bible they have little, little letters, you know, A, B, C, uh, or numbers. If you look at the, the cross-reference that those go to and look them up, a lot of these passages are actually quoted word for word Exodus 12 and on, uh, through, through numbers. You just have it fleshed out more. And so then this now echoes back to, uh, to all of that. And so here we have the, the summary uh, where uh, Moses, under the uh, instruction of Yahweh, uh, kept uh, this uh, account of all their setting, settings out and goings in and all, all their encampments along the way, uh, but then uh, used it uh, to flesh out this whole uh, whole narrative. And we only get part of it, like we, we've only seen uh, so many, but actually a lot of explicit statements about Moses' writing, and we're going to see more of that with uh, Deuteronomy and such, uh, which actually takes up a large, large sections of uh, Exodus and Numbers and uh, basically all of uh, Deuteronomy, uh, and then Leviticus implicitly, God spoke, Moses spoke, uh, God commanded, Moses commanded, uh, and again and again. Uh, you see that he writes down. They write down for, uh, for uh, remembrance. And it's not like uh, during the 40 years 
Is that all they wrote? You know, just the things that it explicitly tells us? No, uh, they, they're busy during, during that time. Moses was uh, busy uh, writing and instructing and uh, teaching uh, all the way uh, until the, the end of his life. And we'll see that with uh, uh, the end of uh, Deuteronomy. And so let's just go to the end of that chapter. And actually, if you look at verse 36, and so a lot of it is just, again, and they set out from Hor Hagidgad encamped at Jotbata, and they set out, and so they, they set out and camped, they set out and camped, they set out and camped. And that just goes on, but then at verse uh, 36, and they set out from Ezion uh, Gever and camped in the wilderness of Zin, uh, that is Kadesh. And they set out from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the edge of the land of Edom. And Aaron the priest went up Mount Hor at the command of Yahweh and died there in the 40th year after the people of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. And Aaron was 123 years old uh, when he died on Mount Hor. Uh, and the Canaanite, uh, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, in the land of uh, Canaan, heard of the coming of the people of Israel. Well, that's om- ominous. And they set out from Mount Hor and camped at Zalmona. And so sometimes you'll have a little intrusion of a little narrative summary about some important event that took place. Uh, And this is just back in uh, Numbers uh, 20 and 21. You you have the death of Miriam and Aaron. uh, And we saw the scroll of the wars of Yahweh and such. uh, And God's provision of of water again for the the people. And that's where where, uh, Moses and Aaron uh, sinned against Yahweh uh, when he struck the rock twice and didn't give God's command. Uh, He didn't command to strike the rock, but in anger, he struck it twice and called the people rebels. Uh, And shortly after, uh, Aaron was sent up the mountain to die and Eliezer came down. And so it's reflection back on all of these things uh, that has has taken place. Uh, It's kind kind of slow and meditative. What was that? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it says you uh, think the word may have, may have been, I, I think, rebels, but you, you bunch of rebels, you know, and he calls them and he strikes the rock twice in anger. And they were, you know, they, they're complaining and bitter and grumbling, but in that, he rebels. He rebels against God. And so there's kind of an irony there where Moses uh, was being now a little uh, hypocritical against the people, and he's God's. He's his authoritative spokesman par excellence. And he disobeys God uh, even while the people are disobeying. And God in his graciousness still gives people water even from the rock that Moses struck twice. He didn't give the command, but God still water flows forth for the people. But now, now Aaron and Moses go up on the mountain, Aaron. Uh, yep, uh, because at Kadesh, uh, speaking of God's glory, 
uh, God was glorified, uh, both in giving the people uh, water, but since Moses didn't command, not just the miracle, but God brought uh, judgment, uh, chastisement upon Aaron and Moses uh, as uh, an illustration, an object lesson uh, about unbelief and rebellion against uh, God. It doesn't mean that Moses was a uh, uh, unbeliever and that he died in his sins. Uh, he'll be in the kingdom uh, because uh, he's been uh, been redeemed by by the greater Moses, uh, but he couldn't enter the land at that time, uh, like like all those who who went before. Uh, and to the to the people when they rebelled at the beginning of the forty years, uh, that. Uh, the, the spies who had rebelled, uh, they won't enter the land, but Caleb, he followed me, you know, with all, all his heart, uh, he will enter the land. Uh, and your sons and daughters whom you said would be a prey in the land, I'll appoint Joshua, he'll take them in. Your sons and daughters, they'll enter the land. You know, you, you said the people would strike them down and kill them. No, Joshua's going to bring them in. I'm going to bring your sons and daughters into the land in Caleb. And so uh, Caleb, in place of uh, the, the other spies, and Joshua went along too, and uh, Joshua in place of Moses. Uh, Moses, Caleb, and their sons and daughters, uh, they go in. And it just shows God's graciousness that he could have just wiped out the whole lot of them right then and there. But then he went uphold his promises and covenant uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I'll appoint, I'll appoint Joshua. He'll take them in. I was just thinking about the irony of the uh, scribes and Pharisees saying, you know, Moses is our father, who is uh, just in John, I was remembering when, when Jesus was saying, my father, you know, Moses is our father, you know, like we follow Moses. But ironically, you know, the metaphor was the promised land is, the, is heaven. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. God, God promised him, you're going to go to the promised land, then partly... Evan and Moses didn't finish it out. He didn't mm -hmm. take him in there. Yeah. Yeah, very, very true. That they're saying, you know, oh, Moses is our guy. Well, Moses, he, he's no good. He couldn't even <laughs> realize the promise. Yeah, when, when, when it comes to, you know, ultimately, you know, on the ultimate level, no, he, 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 didn't, he didn't bring him in. Uh, 100, 120 years, uh, like the generation of the flood, Moses and the, the first generation cut off. Can't, can't enter. Uh, the, the whole generation of the flood, uh, besides uh, Noah uh, and uh, the, uh, the eight that were with him on the ark, they're cut off. They couldn't enter, enter into the new world. And now Moses and the people, yet they crossed the, the sea coming out of Egypt, but they didn't cross the Jordan going into the promised land. Uh, Joshua uh, God sent Joshua and their sons and daughters and Caleb across the Jordan. And the other coincidence is, uh, or not coincidence, but you know, Joshua has the same name as Jesus. Yeah. Joshua's the one that takes him into the promised land. In Greek, it's uh, Jesus. Yeah, and then I was also noticing, you know, that one passage where it says, and this is the only time God has listened to a man after Joshua said, you know, the sun stands still. And yeah. I thought, well, the Muslims wish they only knew that one. <laughs> Jesus is the only one, but I think that's also meant to be metaphoric. It's, you know, 
he said to the, and it, and it made it clear that God listened to him, but in Jesus' case, he says, I and the Father are one. So when Jesus talks, it's not that God's necessarily listening to him, which, you know, he is God, so he is listening mm -hmm. to him, but mm -hmm. also Jesus is authoritatively saying, be still, uh, unlike Joshua. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think that... And Joshua's a little, little bold there. <laughs> right. uh, calling for the, the sun, you know, to, to stop uh, dead, dead in its tracks. Uh, but, yeah, some of that, you also have, you have to understand, like, uh, Hebrew, Hebrew rhetoric. <laughs> uh, because you have places, like, where uh, God says to uh, Moses uh, that uh, your fathers knew me as El Shaddai, you know, God, God Almighty, but uh, my name, Yahweh, I did not make known to them. And now you read through Genesis... There are times when they call him Yahweh. <laughs> and, uh, and not just like in the narrative. And so, huh, what's going on there? And then he, he goes on that I, I will bring you out of Egypt uh, with a strong and mighty hand. I will bring, you know, uh, perform signs and wonders and bring judgments upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Uh, I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take, take you out. I will bring you to the land, uh, and you shall be my people, and I shall be your God, and then you will know that I am Yahweh. They don't even know that he's Yahweh yet. <laughs> and so his name has been uh, revealed, you know, to, to Moses, even like at the burning bush, you know, who shall I say, you know, sent me? Uh, he says, I am who I am, and that his name is Yahweh. Uh, but he then says, you know, my name, I, uh, Yahweh, I did not reveal to them. But then he goes on, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, and then you will know that I am Yahweh. And so they do not yet know the significance of his name and the fullness, but it will only come in the, uh, the revelation that comes uh, bringing his judgment upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians and his salvation for his people, uh, bringing them out of Egypt, redeeming them uh, to take them as a people for his own possession. And so there's, there's this, uh, this greater fullness that it looks to. And things like Paul, uh, and you, you brought that one up uh, in Corinthians, uh, well, uh, does God care about oxen isn't it written for our sake it's written for our sake and now you read it in context well i paul i think god did care a little bit about oxen <laughs> talking about like threshing the grain and such uh, but th they have this uh lesser it's a lesser to greater argument deny the lesser affirm the greater uh does god take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices doesn't he rather prefer justice Wait, you have all this stuff written about, uh, about uh, God uh, smelling the, the fragrant offering and such and, and delighting. Uh, and so there are times where they'll even say, even Yahweh says, uh, you have some of them like in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, uh, when I brought the people out of Egypt, I did not command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but rather goes on to talk about justice. And the important thing is, the audience knows, wait, God, yes, you did. 
it's lesser to greater. Deny the lesser, affirm the greater. If you don't notice like some of those things, it can get you into trouble uh, sometimes. And that's why Jesus even asked the Pharisees uh, about, uh, about understanding, you know, if you understood, uh, God, you know, I don't prefer, or does God prefer burnt offerings and sacrifices? Rather, doesn't he, you know, desire justice? You know, does God desire burnt offerings and sacrifices? It sounds like no, no, he doesn't. Uh, but point is, justice is greater. If they reject that, forget the burnt offerings and sacrifices because they're they're meaningless. Uh, they're they're empty uh, and and in vain. You you can't come to God and serve and worship Him while you're uh, rebelling and stealing from the widow and the orphan and uh, in rejecting all of God's commandments and uh, his, his word in, in unbelief. Uh, it's, it's just, it's empty uh, religiosity. Uh, and it's, it's hypocritical. And so you have all of these statements, kind of a Hebrew rhetorical pattern, uh, deny the lesser, affirm the greater. And if you don't pick up on that, you can get in a lot of trouble. And sometimes you'll even have uh, commentators like with the oxen one where they'll twist themselves into pretzels trying to say, no, it had nothing to do with oxen. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's Hebrew rhetoric. <laughs> it's, it's a little uh, hyperbolic. And we say things like that uh, uh, too sometimes. Adam, would you uh, say it's the same thing when Jesus was saying to hate your parents? And remember that? Like, yeah, yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, <laughs> right. And the the fifth commandment, uh, you know, honor your father and mother. And now Jesus is saying, you know, if you don't hate mother and father and brother and sister, <laughs> he goes through the whole lot and even your own life. Uh, you can't be my disciple. It's, it's lesser to greater, isn't it? And so he, he's not really saying hate your mother and father, but your love for Christ has to be so great that it's as if you hated your mother and father. Uh, when, when it comes to allegiance uh, to, to God, uh, to Christ, and to any of the, uh, the familial relationships, uh, any of our friends, family, uh, children, brothers, sisters, uh, society, the government, uh, when it comes, or ourselves in our lives, when it comes to uh, believing God's word and obeying him, or anything or anyone else, we, we have to go with Christ. Uh, we, we have to be obedient to him. And so, and now sometimes he puts it in a different way where he doesn't use the word hate, you know, that kind of helps, helps uh, bring it out that, that you have to uh, your allegiance to him has to be greater, uh, but sometimes they'll use like the language of hate and such, and you find that like in the, the Old Testament as well. So that's another example. It's kind of hyperbole and exaggeration to help you get get the central point uh, in the, the weightiness of it. So, well, looks like we're short on time here. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, we'll have to continue, uh, Lord willing, next time. But then we'll we'll wrap up uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, fin finish that, uh, and we'll 
uh, also next week, Lord willing, uh, we'll look at you know just a few of the statements of uh, Jesus uh, speaking about like Moses and such uh, in the, the authorship. And so we'll plan to wrap uh, this up uh, next time uh, and then we'll be going into uh, Genesis and we'll have maybe one more kind of just overview uh, of kind of the big picture of Genesis and then uh, we'll uh, work through the creation account like straight, straight through. So uh, let's uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for your prophet Moses and for uh, how you use even uh, sinful men uh, for uh, part for, for the incarnation of your eternal son. Uh, there, there's no other kind, uh, only, only sinners. Uh, but uh, you graciously uh, use us and uh, give us gifts uh, to... Uh, serve uh, your congregation uh, to serve uh, the body of Christ and uh, you've used your uh, prophets and apostles and Moses and Aaron to uh, command and teach and instruct and uh, even write down your word for uh, latter generations uh, and these things are written for our instruction for for our sake that we might uh, be edified and built up and taught and uh, have an eternal hope and uh, that we might understand uh, the good news uh, and uh, your salvation and the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. And so we uh, thank you for him and thank you uh, for all of your promises and blessings and uh, pray that uh, everyone would make it home safely through the cold and uh, that you bring us uh, back together uh, to uh, grow, grow in your word. And so we give you all the thanks and glory and pray in your son's name. Amen.